Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Alias Secure AF podcast, the podcast about all things cybersecurity. I'm your host, Teddy Underkoffler. Today, I am joined with Andrew Lemon and Tanner Shin, both security engineers here at Alias. Can I have you guys introduce yourselves real quick for me? Hello, I'm Lemon. Hello, I'm Tanner. Perfect. Awesome. Well, today we're going to talk about how you can stay anonymous on the internet and why it actually matters. So I just want to kind of open it up to both of you. Um, If you want to start talking about who can even see us on the internet. Absolutely. Um, So I guess it's going to depend on who are you, who can see you on the internet. There's, there's, there's quite a lot actually at this point. I mean, you would say the government, you know, and that's kind of a thing back in the nineties. It was like, uh, or even early two thousands, it was, Oh, the government's spying on us. And it was all, you're this crazy conspiracy theorist person. And now it kind of became to, yes, this is well known. The government, you know, they have certain aspects that they can see everything with the NSA, even whenever shadow brokers, you know, leaked all their, their tools and everything they were using. It was like, Oh wow. They're, they're doing a lot. And it's only gotten more invasive since then. So it's become less and less of a theory and more of a, yes, this happens. So that's just one aspect um, advertising companies. I mean, that's, that's huge, right? That's uh, one of the biggest markets in the world right now <clears throat> is your data selling to advertising companies. Um, there's one story, uh, Target was actually uh, based on somebody's search trends. Um, and they had been, it was, it was things like they had been looking up uh, like pickles and some other weird stuff that they don't normally do uh, on their online shopping for Target. Mm-hmm. And Target was said, oh, well, you were having pregnant person cravings. You must be pregnant. And they started sending them uh, advertisements for like prenatal vitamins and diapers and all these kinds of, you know, things like that. And uh, it went to this this girl still lived at home with her parents and her parents were like, yo, like what? Why are we getting coupons for prenatal vitamins? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Turned out uh, she was pregnant and Target knew before she did. Oh, my goodness. Just based on information that they were watching. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you think about Google as a company, like, uh, what, what is Google sell? What, what mm-hmm. is Google's product? You, you, yeah, that's it. And it's all information that you're, you're giving over all of your, your search, everything like that. I mean, they make their money from AdSense. That's their primary, uh, revenue generator. They have, you know, some Android phones and some stuff like that. They, they make a little bit of money here and there, but most of that stuff, they don't make that much on the mm-hmm. vast majority of their income just comes from giving your data away. I'm not giving it, selling it, sorry. Selling it. Big money. Yeah. Of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it comes down to looking at threat models. We're looking at what is our exposure and who are we trying to stay anonymous from? Is it from the government? Is it from advertisers? Or is it from an individual or a group of people? So knowing what your threat model is and what your risk is really determines on the level of precaution you take. Absolutely. Couldn't mm-hmm. agree more. I mean, if you're, uh, you know, somebody who you're in, let's use uh, some of the people that we do IRs against, for example, let's say you're one of these ransomware actors um, and you want to be completely anonymous. You don't want to be found. You want everything that you're doing to be completely under wraps. Um, you're going to have to take a lot more steps than somebody who just like, I don't really want my boss to find my Facebook. Like there's a, there's a big divide there. There's a lot, there's vastly different needs. Yeah. Or even someone that's in say a country that isn't familiar, isn't fair to like journalistic integrity or looking things up that they want to censor. 
that's another thing where if your government's, you know, backdoored your ISP, that's a whole nother problem. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just another way that your, your data is going to continue to get out. Right. Um, I mean, your ISP is, uh, there's a, there's a lot of give and take. It, it's going to depend on which ISP you have, where you're from, and what precaution you're doing at that point. But, I mean, you want to go a little bit into ISPs selling your data? Yeah. I, so one thing your ISPs do is they actually sell what's called your NetFlow data, which is the metadata of every single connection you make. So every time you go out to Google, it logs that data, and then they then sell that. There are third-party companies that then buy that data and then they package it up in a nice way and then sell it to government entities. So whereas previously you had to have a, a search warrant and it would be a Fourth Amendment violation to query that data, because they're getting it through a data broker now, there's no need for a warrant. They can just go out, request everything from Lemon's IP address and see everywhere I connected. While they may not be able to see my Tor traffic, and we'll jump into that later, what they can see is that my IP initiated connection to a Tor node. Hmm. I guess, uh, let me ask you this, though. How much of that is even necessary to find most things that people would want? As pulling NetFlow data? I mean, probably a little more than usually needed. Yeah. I was going to talk about uh, most of the information out there is shit that you give away. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, there was um, always a joke, and it's for password recovery questions. And you would just put out like a, one of the little quiz, you know. It could be like, uh, what Harry Potter character are you? Yeah. What is your mother's maiden name? And like, you know, just go through the password recovery questions, and it had an alarmingly high success rate. Um, but uh, the, it's not even, not even as, as blatant as that. There was a uh, study that Stanford did where they were able to identify what users were who based on uh, reviews that they had left, what they had liked, what they had disliked, and how they reviewed stuff on Netflix. Really? It had a, I believe they said something about 80% success rate identifying from a list who was who. And this is just this is data mm-hmm. you give out. If you say on Yelp, this has been my favorite restaurant for four years, every Friday night I go there. Now I know when to break into your house. Yeah. Like <laughs> Friday night. Yeah. I mean, there's just a, there's a lot of information that people give out that they don't think about. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that that brought up a thought for me of when I worked for a restaurant group and we actually had a whole big data team devoted to doing sentiment analysis on Twitter. So we're taking people's Twitter information and then creating profiles based on people. And once you downloaded the app and associated yourself as a person, uh, maybe you had a comment about the quality of your food, like, man, that burger was so dry today. Thanks, company. And like, yeah, that was a negative sentiment. Uh, doing the analysis there, and then maybe that get, that person gets a ping now for get a free burger. Uh, we had mm-hmm. gotten our customers down to a point of knowing where they were, uh, and in like places like casinos, they do geofencing with ads. So if you've mm-hmm. given access to your location data based on your phone, when you go by a competitor they may have created a geofence around that area and you'll get an alert that's like, hey, get $5 off at this casino or $5 off at Target uh, or here's a coupon for this. So that anonymity is only going so far. So I might ask you, how do they get that data? How do, how do they know where you're at? Uh, that's something people normally just give right away. So when they're installing an application, they say, yep, allow to use uh, location data all at all times uh, versus when your iPhone pops up and says, this app would like to use your location. Either select no if it doesn't need it or 
only when using the app. That way it can't pull your data when you're not actively using the app. Because if you're paying attention and you look for the little tracker icon in the top left-hand corner, corner, you'll see that pop up all the time throughout the day of applications just pinging to see where you are. Hmm. Well, and not to mention, I imagine nowadays, especially with all of the devices like in your house, like you see a lot about the smart thermostats that know when you're not at your house so they can turn the AC cooler or hotter or whatever. They just auto adjust it based on like your phone with the app, your proximity to what you said is your home, Mm -hmm. which is very terrifying as well. Well, it's kind of a good, a good segue is, um, is doing this good or bad or what is it? Right. Uh, In the instance that you just said, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, it's a valid use. You're using it more or less for yourself. Like it's, pretty valid to have all this location technology and all this invasive stuff. It improves life a little bit. Maybe it, you know, it might lower your bills. It might help assist in comfort, things like that. Okay, sure. That's, that's a debate on its own. So I guess, uh, one of the things that comes up a lot, whenever you're talking about being anonymous, um, especially whenever you get into some of the techier stuff that I think we both want to dive into, uh, you talk about using Tor and you know, spoofing Mac addresses. Is it sinister or is it bad? Like, why would you want to do this if you're not a criminal? I look at the principle of uh, everyone goes to the bathroom. Um, No one does anything different in there, but would you want a camera in there? And I think that everyone deserves their right to privacy, no matter what they're doing, if they're browsing cat pics or whatever it may be. Obviously Mm -hmm. I I agree, but, but yeah, Yeah. that's something that you find, you know, it comes up, it comes up a whole lot. I see a lot of people saying they're like, well, I have nothing to hide. I'm, I don't do any criminal activity. They can see all of my activity. I have nothing to hide. And it's like, well, I get that, but I would like some privacy personally as well. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's become so easy to identify who somebody is to pinpoint mm-hmm. what this exact person is doing. Um, they've broken it down to, they say, 33 bits of information. They call it 33 bits of entropy. That's all that they need to identify exactly who somebody is based out of the 7 billion people on the planet. Only 33 pieces of information. Yeah. yeah. And that's pretty easy to get. I mean, really, even if just looking at NetFlow data, you cut out a wide swath of that. You could just say, I know that this is localized to just the state of Georgia, and you have alienated everyone outside the state of Georgia. And from there, it's just refining that location piece is just a single bit of entropy and going even further of saying like this is male centric viewed or this is something that's most commonly viewed by people of this status like uh, a rolex watch most people you can basically pick out what economic group is looking for rolex watches or range rover or tax write-off these things further de-anonymize you so just little caveats of that further step that into identifying who you are as a person yeah. So even if even if technically you were completely tight on all your stuff, you were anonymous internet connection, burner email, burner phone, everything, nothing will go to all that sure. But you could be completely squared away and they could still figure out who you are based on just the 33 bits of information that they need to pinpoint who you are. So then how do you not give them 33 bits of information if you don't want to give them that? So as individuals, we can kind of jump into the heart of what we're looking for. How do you stay anonymous on the internet? We're taking someone that maybe is just trying to stay anonymous from marketers or from marketing campaigns. And so look at something like Facebook. Facebook, it tracks everything that you do. Everyone has an API call into Facebook. 
and Facebook tracks you across the internet. So there's applications uh, like for Chrome or for Firefox, it's called like Facebook Fence. And it prevents websites from actually reporting back your Facebook ID either to Facebook or to the website that hosts that API. So you don't get that crosstalk. Uh, but those are what we usually call trackers. Uh, cookies are another one where you have these forever cookies that get on your site. So once you click on, say, an advertising link, you get a cookie stored in your browser. And then three weeks from now, if you buy that, whatever you clicked on the ad for, then the person who ran the ad will get money based on your cookie. So clearing your cookies. VPNs are going to be good. So recommend always clearing your cookies. Don't accept any cookies that you don't have to. Run an ad blocker and use a VPN. Now, when you're looking at your phone, there are some specific things you can do. Like on the iPhone, you have the option to do an advertiser ID, which is a unique ID specifically associated with you for advertisers. And you can reset that ID. So that advertiser ID actually follows you all around the internet. I recommend every week, power your phone off and reset your advertiser ID, clear your cookies. That's a way to just to make sure that that's not out there. I mean, I don't think I've ever purchased anything as a result of an ad, but it's something where I, I don't want someone collecting that information for if it ever gets used for nefarious purposes. Mm -hmm. So you definitely are, have. I don't know. <laughs> Everybody's purchased things because it's of like, ads. Well, come on, come on. <laughs> You're I, telling me you haven't been influenced by an ad at all? I would like to think that I'm not a sheep, but... <laughs> Everybody's influenced by ads. Come on. Mm -hmm. I've never clicked on an ad and then bought something as a result. Now, mm -hmm. and honestly... Maybe may not super directly. Yeah. I do want to just go ahead and take this opportunity to complain that by following this methodology that I do, Spotify absolutely sucks at picking songs for me and making recommendations, as well <laughs> as Amazon. I've definitely like needed that, that oxytocin hit and uh, went to Amazon to buy something and it couldn't recommend anything good enough to justify spending money on. So these tricks are good for uh, throwing off the advertisers like to think. Mm -hmm. So how about if you're not worried about advertisers? I was going to throw a couple things out. Yeah, you throw those out. Uh, I'm going to poke some holes in them. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> like, uh, you know, let's say, um, let's go back to the whole government thing. You know, maybe that's more your, your concern or uh, let's say uh, an adversarial group that may be monitoring what you're doing. Something along the lines of that. So uh, Tor, another thing. I would always suggest VPNing into Tor if possible. That's uh, another great layer. But Tor is going to make it even harder to peel back what everything is. Uh, everything is encrypted in layers. That's why they call it the onion router. It's got onions like a layer, you know, like Shrek. Cute. Um, yeah. So uh, if everything's going through Tor and a VPN, it's going to be really, really hard to find out where that stuff is sourcing from. Um, you're always going to want to spoof a Mac address or use temporary NICs. Um, I'm a big fan of spoofing Macs. I think a lot of people think it's kind of a pain. A lot of people talk about getting burner machines. That's, that's, a, that's a thought. It's a lot. But mm -hmm. there's an, a couple options for that. Uh, there's an operating system called Tails. You boot it from a USB drive, and it is entirely based around what we're talking about has Tor pre-installed. It supports all kinds of VPNs. It has all PGP built in for encryption. Uh, it has a lot of, you know, cryptocurrency tools to help support some of that stuff. It is entirely based around the person, the personal use that I'm talking about right now. Um, you boot it up off a of USB. Whenever you turn it off, everything is gone. Nothing persists past a reboot. Um, 
it spoofs MAC address along boot up. So every single time you boot it up, it'll change MAC address. You can set it to arbitrarily change even just every 15 minutes or anything. Hmm. Uh, so, and that's going to be your, your hardware ID of the actual network interface. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that, it kind of comes down to uh, <clears throat> phones are a big deal. A lot of, a lot of things require phones and, uh, Typically, if you're making an account that requires a phone and you're trying to stay anonymous to this degree, you don't make that account. Like, you can get a burner phone. Yes, that's all That's all good and well. But, like, if you're staying anonymous to this level, you don't have a Twitter. You don't have a Facebook. You probably don't have any real Google accounts that are going to be used after a while. I mean, if you're using any kind of email, it's going to persist. For one, that's a negative. You're already a step in the wrong direction. But you're going to be looking at something like Proton Mail or Tutanota or one of those fully encrypted mail solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes down to eventually needing to buy something, um, currency. A lot of the you know back in the day, everybody thought, oh well, you know we'll just use Bitcoin. Bitcoin is is uh, anonymous, and it couldn't be any further from the truth. Especially now, whenever every currency exchange requires an identification, you have to. Supply a photo ID in order to make an account on Coinbase or Binance or any of these larger exchanges. Um, so at that point, you're looking at some sketchy exchange using Monero, and that's just about your only options for truly anonymous. And even then, it's questionable. Mm-hmm. To kind of go into some of the things you mentioned about using Tor, and I was going to cover some specific things that we've seen the government do or governments do uh, that would actually why we use those steps. So one thing about using burner operating systems, uh, don't use a, a daily driver OS uh, like Tails or Wanix or Karachi. Uh, don't install those. Run them off a of USB. If for whatever, whatever reason you want to stay anonymous, if you really have to install it, use something like LVM. Make sure that partition is encrypted. But I highly recommend not installing. That way you're losing that data and it's not running on disk. You can chunk that USB flash drive in the trash when you're done. I'm a big fan of the burner NICs because there's a specific instance. There was uh, Operation Torpedo, which was uh, an FBI sting where they shut down a child exploitation ring. They got a warrant to install a network intrusion tool, which would actually let them do spying. And it used JavaScript to de-anonymize users. It caused them to go out to a site using just their regular uh, non-Tor connected uh, interface. And so that's where, again, this is a good instance of that used. Unfortunately, they didn't have the, the warrant wasn't written in such a way that it covered every person they infected because it was a global sting. It actually only covered the district where the warrant was issued. And they had to throw all those cases out, effectively burning this technique. But the takeaway from that is the government isn't above infecting your machine with malware. So a persistent machine would continue to check in. Any machine that's installed on disk or any OS installed on disk would continue to check in. And then it would also be able to see your MAC address. That's where burner Macs or burner NICs with a Mac that you don't care about. And you can go buy a $20 or $10 wireless NIC off of Amazon, buy 10 or 15 of those, and then don't use your internet. Go to a coffee shop, go somewhere maybe it doesn't have cameras all around and make sure you're connecting through those places. Um, we've seen where I mentioned the NetFlow data where governments are now using that to actually pull in information. One really weird thing that we saw at the beginning of the year was there's Tor node seeding where we're seeing a big entity that's unnamed has started seeding uh, entry and exit nodes in the Tor network. 
And we're seeing governments start to leverage those third-party data brokers who this is unconfirmed and there's no backing behind this, but it only makes sense logically. Someone is seeding them and the government's getting this data uh, that they are selling the data of what's coming in and out of an entry and exit node. So if they can attribute you coming in and you going out and also owning intermediate nodes, if they own two-thirds of the connection, they can de-anonymize you. So that's where making sure that even if you are de-anonymized in the Tor network, you still have good enough OPSEC that your NIC and your IP address and everything else aren't going to give you up. And that comes back to like a zero-log VPN where Tanner mentioned use a VPN to connect to Tor. Use a VPN that's going to anonymize your connection to your first hop on your entry node. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions for a VPN that would do that? Uh, They're not paying us. I'm kidding. (laughs) They always change. So basically, you want to make sure that you've gone out and here's a shady secret that most people don't know is that those lists that say best VPN are usually run by people that own the VPN companies. Mm -hmm. So you want to look for a VPN that contains no logs as part of their trade secret keeps connections in memory only and then also includes a warrant canary, which is basically once we are warranted, it's like the canary in the coal mine. Once someone asks us for information on a user, then we'll change our terms of service. Because based on a national security letter, they may not be able to give up the details of, hey, we had to de-anonymize a user. But they can change and update their terms of service, and there are organizations that keep track of that. So I definitely recommend going out and Googling Best VPN 2022 and then looking at your options. And Best is a relative term for are you trying to stream content on Netflix from another country or are you actually trying to really main, maintain anonymous or maintain anonymity? Because those are could be two different solutions. Mm-hmm. So understanding and doing your research ahead of time would be my recommendation. Very cool. Yep. Well, did y'all have anything else to add that I didn't touch on or that we didn't get the chance to talk about? I wanted to talk about uh, one thing you said, actually. Uh, you said go somewhere without any cameras. Yeah. I wanted to talk like uh, we've we, we've done some interesting things recently uh, using photos, uh, whether it's reverse image search or taking that up a couple of other notches. You want to talk about? Yeah, it's and it's a little creepy. I'll actually I'll just go full conspiracy nerd a little ahead of that before talking to that and actually talk about like high altitude surveillance, where they're not targeting individuals, but uh, government entities are flying Cessnas over a city. And then they're tracking people based on pixels. Basically, you're so small that you're just a pixel. So it's not invasive spying on you as a person. But they could track you all the way from your house, get in your car, drive to a coffee shop, commit a robbery, do illegal things. And that would then give them a hint to go pull the ATM camera footage from across the street. So really, I mean, making sure that you are OPSEC secure and you're, you're practicing good OPSEC all the way through whatever you're doing. Uh, one tool that we found that's been really interesting in the last few months is PEMIS. It's actually a reverse image search tool, and it's terrifyingly good. Um, so basically you pull an image of someone, and it'll give you every instance where it's found them. And I'm finding a lot of instances where people have done poor cleanup on their website, and maybe a person that doesn't work there anymore is still s- stored somewhere deep in a directory. Scarier is I'm using it to find writable and readable directories that maybe the person that maintains the website didn't want you to see, kind of just their dumping ground, but also just finding instances of they were at this wedding and this popped up, or uh, they were in this local newspaper at this time. People have been using it to track down lost relatives, 
all kinds of interesting things have come out of just using AI to actually map a face out and make this readily available for, I think, $30 a month. Can we get really inappropriate and talk about the wedding one in more detail? Uh, I, I don't remember that one specifically. So. That was the guy who was uh, trying to buy your house. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, I will include that there was a guy that chose to have very bad operational security. And uh, I, I always answer every phone call and every text and every email. And I had someone reach out to buy my house. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had bad OPSEC. Uh, and I actually followed his email address to another email address. And this is something where people think email addresses give them away. So they create a burner email, but they forget to create a burner password. And so I've actually been able to track someone all the way across the internet based on password reuse. So your Ashley Madison account or your dating account, your plenty of fish account, use the same password as your bank account or the one that's on your, your Gmail, whatever. And so I've been able to track individuals across that. That will then tie you to, say, another place. But in this instance, I used PEMIS after running down who this individual was and reverse image searched him after telling him what his, uh, recommending he change his common password of Dodgers 22 exclamation point. Um, I decided to go a little bit further because he was being real skeezy and talking about the inside of my house. I wanted to take it as far as I could. And I found some images, one of him at his wedding, and then later pictures from him at a club in, in Istanbul uh, with some women that weren't his wife. And so I responded and said, Hey, bud, is this you? Um, Oh my God. So it was very interesting. Uh, I like to, again, I don't like that people pull public record and dig into me and, uh, get into my business. So I like to return the favor whenever possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's always good. But yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's just an example of the reverse image searching from the, the facial recognition. Yeah. The technology is crazy. I've heard instances of uh, people looking up other people and finding out, oh, they used to do pornography. Mm. Like, I, I mean, it's your face is not changing. It's still out there. And it's, it's, it's absolutely wild, some of the stuff that it's, it's been finding. But, yeah. So delete your Facebook. Delete your face. <laughs> delete your Facebook. Delete, delete your Instagram. Delete your whole face. Your whole face. The whole face. face. Yeah. yeah. IR sunglasses. That- yeah. Push out our lights so people can't get pictures of you. <laughs> don't, don't, don't let your marketing team uh, do cameras <laughs> on a podcast yeah. to go on YouTube. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. That's everything for me. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me on the episode. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs>